2: is a revolution, Jimmy. The American dream is just that. Just a dream. War is a continuation of politics, only by other means. Politics is a continuation of economics, by other means. This is our bank. This is our war. And this is our plan of attack. Bank have become an essential threat to our democracy. So consider this justice. Thank
0: you for listening to Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, the number one listener-supported radio station on the internet. Please help support this station so this battle can continue forward. Revolution. Revolution Radio!
3: The theory advanced that the universe is a living, giant being, and that we, as human beings, made in its image, are miniature universes in ourselves, containing millions of corpuscles. The components of each corpuscle imagine themselves to be in a complete world of their own. Please join TJ Morris as she brings topics on cosmology, metaphysics, conspiracy theories, science, theology, ufology, and psychic awakening.
0: Prepare to have your conscious go cosmic. Hello
4: everybody, I think we're live. Hi, yeah, you're uh, nice. this is Janet, yeah, Janet Careless uh, on the Cosmos Mission TV <coughs> on Revolution Radio. And uh, today, our host, Teresa J Morris, is waiting for her. And I'm Janet Care Lesson, Like I said, I've got some background music, Your noises, not sure what that's about. That's interesting. Uh, Let me see if I can. Those
3: are not too loud. To turn them down a little
4: bit. Mine's too- Loud, okay. I gotta see if I can find where to do that. There it is. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, Robert, can you turn your speaker down a little bit? We're getting feedback. Anyway, um, uh, teacher is uh, Thomas Becker. That's who you just heard. And we're gonna see, figure out how to get rid of the feedback. And today we have Robert Snow, he's coming to us from the UK, I'm not sure where he's at, the UK. And he's had interest in paranormal for many years, and is up late for the unexplained mysterious with Gabe, his late grandfather, Dr. Richard Clay, a medical practitioner in Wiltshire. Dr. Clay had several paranormal experiences, himself, so, and being a very, very methodical mind, he worked out on paper as soon as possible he also recorded the experiences of his patients that were related to him. And Robert is now the owner of Dr. Clay's archives, having inherited from his grandfather who died in the 70s. He's always adding to them himself. Robert was recently the General Secretary of the Dose Club, the oldest paranormal research organization in the world, which was founded in 1862, a long time ago. Robert always gets reports of supernatural happenings, objectively, and says that from this experience, 90% of so-called paranormal activity can be explained naturally through careful and objective investigation. However, there are about 10% of these incidents seem to all investigation and just can't be explained. And it's this 10% that interests Robert. And Robert, is an old building that is 250 years old in an isolated village in Dorset in the southwest of England. Uh he says, unfortunately, there are no ghosts at home, much to his disappointment. Or if there are, they have not made the ghost. And he would love to receive, most pleased to reports of paranormal activity and happens to add to his now considerable archives. But his book, the new book, is called Strange Experiences. And uh, you can read about that some, some pictures uh, on aquariumradio.com. Uh, okay, uh, I guess we did not find a T.J. So we'll introduce a uh, mad painter, Thomas Becker, going to help me out today. Thomas, would you like to say hi?
3: Howdy, uh, Robert. You need to mute when you're not talking. We're getting too much feedback. Now.
4: There, there we go. So we'll go. We'll... <laughs> no, nope. Nope,
5: <laughs> he ain't muted. Can
3: you even
4: Robert? Okay, well we'll bring on Robert. He can talk. Maybe it'll it will not be so I, I don't it's think
3: bad. he's even hearing us.
4: Robert, are you not hearing us? Okay. We'll
5: Let me call him back.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah, that I I don't know what was going on there. It was like we were
4: Mickey Mouse and we were having uh, Mickey Mouse time. Yes. <laughs> Let's see if we can get Robert on. Oh, out so. there.
3: Now, can we hear you?
4: Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got we you now. We can hear you. <laughs> yes, wonderful. Uh, okay, uh, I did. I don't know if you heard the introduction, Robert, but you're on. If you want. To- to tell us so, about yourself and your research and your book. Take it away.
6: Yeah, well, I first became interested, as as, as you mentioned, the paranormal. My late grandfather, Dr. Richard Clay, and he was a, a medical practitioner. He lived in a village in, called in the in Wiltshire in the southwest of England. It's about seven miles west of the city of Salisbury and um, he, he had several paranormal experiences, which he recorded. He was a very methodical man, and as soon as possible he recorded his experiences and put them in his archives, and also he recorded experiences that some of his patients had related to him. Um, although his house was a about a 500-year-old house, the old manor house at Fovent. Uh, I personally never experienced anything, although it was haunted. Um, one of the most, uh, one of the most uh, famous of his cases was of a prehistoric horseman a Bronze Age horseman that actually was seen on, in what's called the Cranbourne Chase, which is part of Dorset. Um, my grandfather saw it and several other people have seen it, but it hasn't been seen for about 20 years. So I don't how, know.
4: How, how did he know it was Bronze Age? How did well, he make that determination? Well, he was
6: very—he was a, a keen amateur archaeologist. and um, Okay. He, you know, uh, he uh, he. The thing is that this horseman disappeared. It it's all mentioned in my book. But it disappeared at a bron- at a, bar- a certain burial mound, you know, prehistoric burial mound. And apparently, that mound had been excavated several years before, and they found the bones of a Bronze Age horseman and his horse. Uh, he had a bronze axe uh, buried with him. A, well, the axe, a bronze axe head. But um, he, as I said, he he had several other interesting experiences. But that's what that's why I became interested in the paranormal. Um, but well,
4: that's my- fascinating. Let me let me just ask you about the horse thing. Um, did anybody do any kind of? Uh- like ritual or burial, further burial? What did they do with his remains?
5: Well, his, he, he,
6: was, he was buried uh, in a, a burial mound, which is a large, which is a sort of lump in the ground, a mound of earth. Uh-huh. And right, uh, right. it was actually excavated several years before my grandfather saw it. And uh, they found inside the remains of a horse, which is very unusual. And uh, and the horseman and a bronze axe head,
4: right? And so he, he stopped coming around. Was it after that, after he was excavated? Well, my, the, yeah,
6: he was actually the mound was, was excavated in the early 1800s by a man named oh. Colt, Colt Hall, and um my my grandfather saw it in i think it was about 1926 but several mm-hmm. people had seen it before him and and since the last apparition was about 20 years ago about okay. 1998 i think that was the last time it was seen
4: okay so i was just trying to make a correlation that maybe something happened that the uh, spirit of the bronze Horsemen just moved on to the other realms, but yeah. um, it's just a mystery. Okay, so continue your story.
6: Well, uh, I've I've had several experiences myself, which are mentioned in my book, and um, my grandfather's archives. I'm continually adding to them, and I've now got several thousand reports. Some of the, some of the reports I've copied from the internet copied and pasted into Word uh-huh. documents. I mean, there are there is a lot of rubbish on the internet, as you no doubt know, but there's also a lot of very interesting stuff.
4: Right. Um, so I want to ask two things. You said that you had several experiences. Can you describe your experiences?
5: Well,
6: yes, they, uh, they're mentioned in my book. One of them was uh, when I was in the army. I was in the army for about 15 years and then I had a medical discharge because I, I broke my spine, and um, I, I've since had surgery. My, my X-ray looks a bit like a Meccano creation—a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, wow! But I was walking on patrol in a a deserted army camp made out of wooden huts. Called Beilu Barracks, and it was a moonlit night, frost cold and frosty. And I was with a colleague, colleague, and we were walking down the main road of this. This, although it was it was disused and virtually completely derelict, it still had to be patrolled at night. On and I was on guard duty. At any rate, we were walking down the road, and we saw. We saw in the moonlight what looked like a soldier walking towards us, and we could hear the footsteps and we and this person this tapper or this soldier turned it towards one of the huts and uh, it was it was an area between two huts, At any rate, we ran after him, and when we when we got there there was, there was you know to where he walked. There was no no one there, and there was nowhere he could have hidden Uh, Another time, I was on guard duty, and my colleague and I were on the edge of the parade ground. It was a moonlit night, and we both heard the sound of soldiers marching across the parade ground. You hear the clunk, clunk, clunk of their hobnail boots. Wow, It was rather eerie.
4: Um, Now, did they appear solid or were they kind of transparent? uh, We couldn't
6: see them. We just heard them.
4: Okay, the one you saw, was he solid or transparent?
6: He looked solid from what we could see. Oh, wow. Quite lifelike. But uh, you know, I'm continually adding to my archives. If I find something that is plausible, I copy in a newspaper or something. I copy it on my computer and put it into my archives. Um, I've got quite a considerable, several thousand articles now. But there's um, there is um, one thing that really interests me, rather fascinated. I've read about it. You probably heard of Skinwalker Ranch.
4: Yes. Okay. what? What did uh, what attracts you to read about it? Go ahead.
6: Yeah, it's. I believe it is or was owned by Robert Bigelow, who is, I believe, a, a very rich uh, American businessman. And uh-huh. um, there's uh, there is some rep- there's a report on on a YouTube video by. Uh, a reporter, George Knapp. Yes. You know, you know of him, do you?
4: Oh, oh yes. I've seen George at a conference. He's very um, well known, and heard of Robert Bigano. Bigelow never met him, never saw him in person, and heard of the Skinwalker Ranch. So, you want to tell our our listeners a little bit about Skinwalker Ranch and why it sticks out, stands it's- out?
6: I believe it's very much out of out of bounds uh, there's terrific security there but I believe all sorts of things have happened there uh, apparition, UFOs poltergeist activity um, strange creatures uh, cattle mutilation which is another very strange phenomena which we've had in this country as well I believe cattle <laughs> mutilation has taken place in many parts of the world. I don't know what the explanation is. I mean, a lot of people have theories like it's um, it could be uh, aliens or secret government experiences. You have a lot of it in the States, don't you?
4: Uh, I don't know how uh... You know, how it's going now. I know there was there were periods when there was a lot of them. What about you, uh, Thomas? Yeah, they're,
3: they're not as common anymore as they used to be. Right.
6: What, do you, what do you think? What, what, have you got any theories?
3: Uh, a lot of people believe that it had something to do with black ops. You, mean, mean, you, want, you want to control people, you control their food supply. And, of course, cattle is one of our biggest suppliers of food here in the United States.
6: You mean government cover-up?
3: Yeah. Yeah,
6: I think politi- That's one theory. politicians in governments have got a lot to lot to um, lot to blame for. You know, lot to um, lot to answer for. <laughs> I've
4: i read about uh, some genetic experiments from. Uh, I think this was in a book, not an interview I did about uh, contacting abductee, and they. They took his uh, semen or something. They put it in the cow. They're they do some uh, genetic experiments. I guess the cows are, you know, uh, pretty compatible with humans in a lot of ways. So yeah, they.
3: Uh, the some believe that they're artificial wounds for uh, growing mm-hmm. super soldiers.
6: Yeah, but they do.
4: Yeah, have that's a theory.
6: All the blood drained out of them, I believe, and and um, which is rather strange.
4: Yeah, the ones that have returned, uh, somebody's taking the blood, you know, they mutilate them, they take their utters and their jaws, (laughs) it just seems uh, very unexplainable, but um, it's not happening, it might have had something to do with um, when they were doing a lot of the hybrid children, which that seems to have slowed down as well, that slowed down too, so it seems to have some correlation with the hybrid program, but we don't know. We're not in the loop. <laughs> They're not telling us. I mean, uh, yeah.
6: I think uh, governments and politicians have got a lot to answer for all over the world.
4: <laughs> they do. They do. I'm looking at your picture of your cat. Is that your cat?
6: <laughs> no, no. It's uh, one of a neighbour of mine. I. I took the picture. I put a, a plastic ladybird on its nose, and then took a photo. And of course, it it made the cat go cross, cross-eyed.
4: <laughs> That's an incredible picture. <laughs> I knew there had to be a story behind it. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go back to. Uh, let's see. I took a note. I think your grandfather. Uh, he was a. Um, he was a doctor, right? A medical yeah. doctor.
5: Yes, yes.
4: Did did he ever report seeing uh, people leaving their bodies when they die?
6: Not that I know of. No, because if he had, he would have recorded it in his his archives. I mean, he was a very he was a keen amateur archaeologist, and everything he recorded very methodically. And I've got his mm-hmm. um, I've got his. Um, some of his his archaeological papers as well, and you know as soon as possible he records something while it was still fresh in his mind. Um I don't think he ever saw anybody leaving their body. Um,
4: okay. I had th- theories about what was going on. Uh, you said he saw. Did he Did he see hundreds of ghosts? You know, ten ghosts. What did he? What did he report about what he actually witnessed?
6: Not not, not only ghosts, but a sort of um, telepathy experience, telepathic experiences and precognition. Um, Okay,
4: let's do the telepathic experiences. Uh, Describe one or two that he recorded that stands out.
6: One one particular experience I remember in his book Oh, in, in in his archives, which is mentioned in, in the book, um, is he was out um, out in the country, picnicking with somebody with his with his wife, my grandmother, and um, he heard a phone ring, and he's you know he was miles away from a telephone because these were the days before mobiles. Um, mm-hmm. Probably in the forties or fifties that this happened. I can't remember exactly when. Um, heard this phone ring, and um, when he got actually got home, he he he. By the way, he made a note of when he heard that. Uh, when he got home, um, there was uh, the gardener who used to take phone messages when he was out. He'd stay in the house. Um, there's, there was a message that uh, a particular patient's uh, husband had called at exactly the time my grandfather heard the phone ring. Wow. And um, he had a lot of experiences like that, um, sort of telepathic experiences.
4: Was there some relevance to that patient? Did they need uh, help or something? Or was it...
6: Well, they were des-
5: kind of uh,
4: high energy behind a call.
6: I think the the um, the person who called was uh, desperately trying to get a hold of him and was probably in a very emotional state. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a, a, a rather strange experience a few years ago. I can't remember the exact details now, but... I've recorded it. It's, I'm the same. If Something happens if I experience anything. Um, I will record it as soon as possible while it's still fresh in my mind. And I, I, mm-hmm. the, the details are clear in my head. Um, I have a friend who is a civil engineer from Russia. And he's, his name is Anatoly. And he was working on a, a big project, building project, in the Philippines. And while he was out there, he contracted. I mean, was, I'm only giving a rough outline of the incident because I can't uh-huh. remember clearly. It was some time ago that I did record it next day, Um, while he was out there, he caught some tropical disease and had to go back to Moscow where he lived, where his wife and family are. Uh Um, When he recovered, he went back uh, to the Philippines and he was knocked down by a car. As I found out and seriously injured At any rate one particular night I woke up for some reason about, it was about 2 o'clock in the morning it was a bright moon outside the moonlight was shining through my bedroom window, the curtains were, were drawn back and in the moonlight I saw Anatoly my friend standing beside my bed, my bed, and uh-huh. I. I put on the bedside light, and he was still there, as lifelike as anyone. And Anatoly yeah. told Anatoly told me that he'd been knocked down by a car and sustained head injuries, which caused uh, internal bleeding in his head, and he had an operation to relieve the pressure and they obviously had to remove part of the skull and um the skull pieces put back afterwards uh, and held in position with metal staples which i believe they do now don't they i think yeah at any That's rate sure. he to- he told me um All these details, and then he just faded away. And I lay in bed. You know, I was rather surprised. I didn't know whether it was just a a very vivid dream. And I eventually went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I thought I must have been dreaming. About two days later, his wife phoned me, and told me that Anatoly had been had been injured and that they they'd, uh, had to remove part of his skull to relieve the pressure, the bleeding inside his head, and that it was held in position with metal staples, which rather surprised me. The next day, I received a, a call from Anatoly who was then back in Moscow and he told me that he had a dream and that he was standing by a bed in the moonlight and I was lying in that bed and he described my bedroom exactly and he's never been to my house. I've been to I need to stay with Anatoly in Russia. But, you know, it it must be proof. That last phone call must be proof of -of out-of-body
5: experience.
4: I've actually had that happen to me as well. Um, I felt eyes on me and I opened my eyes and there was my cousin. This is when I was a child and she's just standing at the. Foot of my bed. It's daylight. I didn't have to turn on the light. Uh, the sun had already come up, and she's just standing there, staring at me. And I didn't. Uh, she didn't say anything to me, and I didn't ask her any questions. I just, I just sat there for a while, and it's like, oh, this. It was freaking me out. So I just covered my head, <laughs> and then uh, she she left. Then she left. So there's all kinds of stories about people astral traveling. To wait one another. I had a whole very elaborate uh, interaction with a, a lover for like three years. And so uh, that was very intense. <laughs> the relationship didn't really last long in person, but it was, uh, it was like this uh, spiritual relationship. So that's fascinating. So that happened to you, not your grandfather's. Yeah. But have, it's. Have you ever. Go ahead
6: you know from my my experience a lot of people say they don't believe in ghosts but i think uh, they say that just for a fear of people making fun of them now when i came out of the army i worked for the government for the inland revenue the tax department and i uh, i my boss was very friendly with a family whose name is Pinney, P I N N E Y, and they lived in an ancient manor house in Dorset called Betterscott Manor. Now, in the, in the house is a, a human skull, and the legend is that if you ever, t- anyone who takes it out will die. Now, it, it's a house that could be viewed by appointment because it's a grade one listed historic building and um mm-hmm. michael pinney i got to know michael pinney through my boss and i i've been there many times for meals and and i even you know, i got to know him very well but um michael pinney told me that you get people to look around the house and they say ah um Legend of the skull—a load of rubbish, you know. I don't believe in it. Uh-huh. And he said he hand them the skull. And say, all right, if you don't believe it, take it out of the house, and nobody ever would. It, I think a lot, I think a lot of people um, say they don't believe in ghosts because they're afraid that people will make fun of them. But um,
4: uh, yeah, but there's a lot of evidence that something's been going on but there, people are always afraid of the ridicule factor no matter what you're talking about when you're about
6: paranormal so oh, um, yes I,
4: I what mean you do about it? There's,
6: there's no doubt about it ghosts do exist and uh, there's a lot of there's indisputable evidence that there is another life after this you know i I. Right. I I'm not a religious fanatic, but I am a Christian, and I go to church, but not probably not as regularly as I should. But I, I believe in God. Now, in fact, I know God exists. It's not a case I believe He exists. I know God exists, and there is a there is another world, another sort of like another wavelength, another. How um, what shall I call it? Um,
4: vibratory frequency um, Yeah, another realm is a good way of putting it Oh, I, I believe that what, do you, what about you, Thomas? What do you believe about life after death? Is there, is there any What's your opinion? Uh-oh You may have stepped away I'm, okay. I'm, so, I'm oh. sorry
3: My wife was talking to me
4: <laughs> Oh, the wife Yes, I have that happen too but what what are your uh, thoughts about where do we go when we die uh
3: i believe we move on to another plane of existence i, I believe what we see is ghosts are caught between the two pl- uh, planes for some reason other you know i have no clue why uh, they're stuck they don't want to move on or they got unfinished business who knows
4: great right. i think there, well, there is, oh, sorry I was just going to say, uh, I grew up in a haunted house. So this mm-hmm. is uh, kind of my area. Um, it seems there was like a portal between the dimensions there because over the course of my uh, childhood and early adulthood, I, I, I finally left when I was 18. Um, every once in a while I would come back and visit and stay over and stuff like that. Because uh, it was just something I couldn't quite resolve in my Psyche that they're, they're, I was having so much contact. It was irritating. It was um, sometimes quite frightening. I had a, an entity walk right through me <laughs> and my girlfriend <laughs> when we were about um, 13. And that was really freaky. I ran out of the house and it was very cold. It's like, oh, I don't want to go back in that house. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious. I think some people are open and receptive and psychic and I've had, I've had ghosts communicate with me and I will talk to them telepathically and say, Oh, you know, why are you contacting me? <laughs> you know, of all the people on this planet, uh, you know, you have to know somebody you left people behind, but I'm not related to you. Why are you talking to me? And uh, over and over when I would ask that question, they'd say, well, you can see us, and we can see that you could see us. So do you think something like that was going on with your grandfather? That he was I psychic and that they I could do, see I him?
5: Don't, I don't
6: really know. Um, but with ghosts, um, there is one theory which some scientists adopted. It's called the stone tape theory, where you get strong emotional things like murders or something take place, something becomes embedded in the fabric of a building or in the, in the ground. And that certain people, under certain conditions, can get like a, a video replay. I, I don't know. I don't either believe or disbelieve. I don't know. But that is a theory that I've heard quite. So much. that's
4: called stone stone tape, like like yes. T A P E or
6: yes. Okay, tape.
4: so the the um, the building or the stone or whatever becomes a recording mechanism. Is that what you're saying? And yes. it records because of the strong emotions. Yes, exactly. um, I, I think that our governments have been using that as well. I remember somebody talking either on the show or in person to me. About how they can go, say say there's two spies they're beaten out in the forest, right? <laughs> and they're standing by a rock. and so they can they, the agents leave, and then the the, uh, you know, the CIA or FBI comes in and they can go up to the rock where they were standing or the tree or whatever, and uh, pick up the uh, the recording of what they said.
5: Yeah.
6: but um, another thing that's interesting is remote viewing. Uh-huh. do you know what i mean
4: i i've done it but tell me what you know about it
6: well i i i with my work i've done some research it's a long long story which i won't bother you with but i've mm-hmm. i fell into it by accident and i do some research for a russian television station and go out there okay. occasionally and I'd like to say one thing, I know people are frightened, but when I go there, the Russians are some of the nicest people you could deal with, and I get virtually killed with kindness. But I do know that the Russians are, I think, very much ahead or probably leaders in the world of paranormal research. There is a man, a researcher, in Tomsk, in Siberia, northern Russia, who I'm in contact with quite regularly. His name is Victor Fefalov, and he doesn't speak English, but his son does speak English. So when we talk on Skype, it's a three-way conversations, and his son, Oleg, acts as an interpreter. But the, the, um, his particular interest is poltergeist, Phenomena. And okay, it, so
4: what does uh, what does Victor think is going on with poltergeist? Because well, first of all, could you, for our listeners who might not know, can you give a definition of what a poltergeist is? As opposed, well, you know, it's, it's, in comparison to a ghost, what's the difference?
6: Poltergeist is something that is disruptive, throwing things around that sort of thing. Uh, you must have heard, you know. Ghosts are throwing objects around
4: and right.
6: you know, moving furniture and things. Um, Victor thinks that they have some intelligence. You know, there is some intelligence behind these, but he doesn't know whether they're sort of spirits that are trapped on this earth and want to get, get away. But um, it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating subject.
4: Yeah. i i encountered a poltergeist once so i had the ghosts and the ghosts were pretty harmless some of them would you know walk through you turn off on lights on and off make sounds um i slept for some reason the parents gave me the master bedroom in the front of the house but having grown up in that room i know why because there was an attic above the room and things moved all nights and the, the attic door had this very strong metal bolt, uh, and sometimes the bolt would be thrown open and the door thrown open, and you could hear things. and So anyway, so that was that was my normal life. There were different ghosts that showed up in the of my bed. Uh, I realized that one was my mother's mother. You know, the piano played all kinds of stuff. My childhood, but when I was a teenager. Um, there was a stairwell that went from the my my house was an 1840s Pennsylvania farmhouse, and yeah. uh, so somebody had built a second floor onto the original farmhouse, so it was two stories, and it had two stairwells, and one in the back that went from back kitchen to the bedroom up there. Um, my entire childhood, it was closed and locked. And it had the old skeleton skeleton keys, right? <laughs> and my mother said, uh, "Children, don't you ever open that door." So when I was a teenager, uh, we got we, my uh, my older siblings were gone, so we we got a foster uh, girl, a foster child. And She was my age because I was kind of lonely. So mother said, "Yes, yeah. so we got a foster child." Well, she didn't obey, <laughs> so she went downstairs. Well, my parents weren't home and she got that door open and i was sleeping in because we had stayed up early it was like a friday night the, in summer so we just stayed up early so i was sleeping in and i heard her calling psychically i don't know what that's a, the only way i can explain it like wasn't it wasn't even my ears and i ran down the stairs and uh, she was hiding in the bathroom, I said, what's going on? And she said, turn around and look. And just like in the, um, that Steven Spielberg movie called Poltergeist, which I saw many years later, there was this large kind of uh, full mouth open, snarling, big teeth, uh, drooling, um, demon, for the lack of any other word. And everything in the, in the, the room was flying in the air. It was just pots and pans, anything was outside of the, or even some of the cupboards were open, and things were flying through the air, and, and I fell to the ground, and I just started, I tried to scream, but I don't think anything came out. I just was on the floor, you know, aghast, and and my mother, who was at church at the time, it was a Sunday morning, she told my dad, Bill, we're going home right now, and, and uh, he just obeyed, and got the car, and he drove her home, and she ran into to the roof and she took this energy somehow like a witch and she just kinda of pulled it in and she shoved it back she didn't actually physically touch it was like moving her arms she shoved it back into the stairwell and she closed the door and she had put her dryer in front of it she put the dryer back in place and then she had us come out look at her and she said I told you children to never touch that I couldn't tell anybody that story for uh, this is the first time I've I've told it publicly.
6: And so, really,
4: what could you do with it? Yeah, go ahead.
6: Do you have any brothers or sisters who's has experiences there?
4: Yes, I have an older brother who's seven years older than I am. So, let's see how old he is. I'm 64, so he's 71, I think. And I have a 69-year-old sister. And we never talked about any of this when we were growing up. But uh, when we were in our uh, late 30s and early 40s, we finally were back in the home we grew up in. And uh, both our parents were in the hospital. One had a heart attack, one had a stroke. We had all come home to the family we we raised in. And uh, we were just sitting on the floor because... You know the paramedics had been there, and they left all kinds of things. You know, um, uh, the ticker tape from the from the uh, defibrillator and, and pa- you know needles, all this stuff. So we had to clean it up. But we sat on the floor, and we finally said, "Okay, it's truth time. What happened to you in this house when we were growing up?" And so we started to share stories, and we went on for a couple hours. And we just said, oh, you think that was bad? How about this? How about that? How about this? So, it, yeah, it was, I have PTSD from growing up in a haunted house because it was just so extreme. So I, that's why I wonder, how did your grandfather cope? Well, he obviously wrote it down.
6: Yeah, but his, his, his experience, I don't think there was nothing frightening at all he didn't have any frightening experiences um but i mean people
4: do so frightening that i ended up sorry your
6: voice your voice is breaking up hello
3: yeah she's breaking up pretty bad yes
6: yeah I can't understand what you're saying. Your voice is breaking up.
5: Yeah,
3: you probably need to hang up and call back. To get a bad connection. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Let me let me try and bring her back. Are you back, Janet?
6: Shall I let go offline and wait to be called?
3: No, 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 you're fine. We're we're fine. It's her connection.
5: Yeah.
3: I don't know, it's showing her here. I don't hear her though. But it's showing her here still. <laughs> yeah.
6: I can hear you perfectly.
3: Yeah, she's in Hawaii and it goes across uh, you know, satellites. Uh, yeah,
6: so where where are you?
3: I'm in Georgia.
6: Uh, is that a long way from where she is?
3: Uh yeah, it was about five thousand miles. <laughs> <laughs> it said she couldn't pick it up. Let me see. Let let it drop from the from the call here and then I'll call her back. Uh
6: Shall I stay online? online?
3: Yeah, 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 you're, you're you're fine. Uh tell tell us about what's uh on all your research, what is the uh one case that really jumps out at you?
6: Well, um, I think um, my grandfather's period was the prehistoric horseman. That's a very that's mentioned in a lot of books, and I've mentioned it in my book as well. Um, that was, you know, that that really is one that really it's it's a very fa- it's become a very famous case. Is she uh, still is
3: I, I'm still trying to bring her back in so so that one that one was one that uh, really uh, uh got gotcha. you yes uh you, you mentioned skin skinwalker ranch uh, I've talked to quite a few people about skinwalker ranch and a lot of people think it's UFOs and a lot of people believe it's paranormal even the Indians in the neighborhood there yes. says it's paranormal not aliens.
6: Would you like to go there?
3: Oh, I, I wouldn't mind checking it out. Personally, <laughs> I've never had no paranormal experience whatsoever. So you, you would run or stuff. So, yeah. I, I, but I do believe that there is things out there that we can't explain. That's definite.
6: Who owns it now?
3: Uh, Bigelow does.
6: I you thought know, Bigelow he, he, buys, something. he buys
3: anything that he thinks he can, uh,
6: capitalize
3: on the research
6: but he I, I heard that he sold it
3: uh, now he might have you know
6: he's quite rich isn't he
3: yes from my understanding yeah. apparently she's not I don't know what, what's going on here I yeah. might have the call her. well there, there she goes uh, we we got you, but we can't understand you. You're all broken up.
6: No, still bad.
3: Yeah, it's it's a bad connection. It might be it might be that. that we we can't even understand what you're saying.
6: Can she hear you?
3: Uh she's. I think she's.
6: No,
3: it's, it's quite a bad connection.
6: Yeah, she's got a bad connection. Very bad. I mean, I can hear you as clearly as anything.
3: Yeah, it's it's her connection. Yeah. She might need to restart. We can reset the call at the top of the hour. We've got about six minutes for a break.
6: is it for an hour
3: is it yeah oh I got another hour after this
6: Yeah. I mean I'm easy
3: <laughs> she's Pratt- trying to figure out what's going on
6: Pratt- isn't? She, does she think does she know we can't hear her
3: yeah I'm talking to her that's, that's why I'm, I'm not speaking to you <laughs> I can't type and talk at the same time it don't work <laughs> so, so uh, where, where can people find your book at
6: uh, it's, on, it's for sale on Amazon yeah, what's, it, what's the title of it Strange Experiences <clears throat> it's only been on Amazon for about a, a week and it's all proving to be very popular. Yeah, it's it's published by Flying Disc Press, the name of the company that's um, publishing it, but it, it's on Amazon.
5: Well,
3: I, I suggest everybody go check it out. It sounds interesting. Uh, the paranormal's always fascinated me. Uh, now, my mother has uh, told me when I was younger that she actually seen a ghost. Uh, I Like I said, I've never experienced anything like that. I have seen Ouija boards kind of do some weird things and stuff like that. But other than that, that's about the extent of my paranormal.
6: You'd like to see one.
3: Um, I'm not sure if I'd like to see one or not. <laughs> Maybe if it was a good spirit, but <laughs> I sure don't want to deal with no demons or djinn. <laughs>
6: Uh, that skinwalker rant seems to be a, a hot spot of activity.
3: Well, it seems evil, too, from my understanding, everything I've I've checked out about it. Uh, even the Native Americans don't like it.
6: Yes. I'd, I would be quite interested to spend some time there. If I, I don't suppose I'll ever get the opportunity, but um, I believe... Yeah. Um, I doubt I
3: would either tell you the truth.
6: <laughs> I mean, if you were offered the chance, you'd go, would you?
3: Uh, I'd have to do some soul-searching first.
6: Uh,
3: <laughs> you know, it's that's kind of...
6: But George Knapp has been there, hasn't he? Uh,
3: from my understanding, yes, he has. Uh,
6: and and experience seen, uh, of things.
3: Quite a few of the paranormal people have been there, and the UFO people. I've yeah. spoken to quite a few of them.
6: You've spoken to people who've been there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. I, I do I do a show, too. I do a couple of shows, and then I produce also. I've been yes. doing this for quite a, quite a few years.
6: It's a fascinating subject, isn't it?
3: Oh, yes. It's it's one of them ones that, that they, they're on the verge of proving the fact that ghosts exist scientifically, but it's still just on the edge, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and I believe that's what... Uh, Really, most of uh, what's going on today, uh, you know, with the uh, Mayan prophecies and that, is it's the lifting of the veils between the the uh, different realms, and we're, you know, actually able to understand what's going on. I think science and spirituality are coming together to prove this this uh, esoteric, you know.
6: The the it's a subject you can. It's um, what should I say? I, From my experience, scientists, if they can't explain something through known laws of science, they dismiss it.
3: Yeah, well, but the known laws of science are now uh, proving the fact of all these things, you know, are actually not esoteric. They're actually natural things happening.
6: Yes, I mean, years ago, people used to think that uh, you heard of St. Elmo's fire on top of the ship's mast.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah.
6: People yeah. Think, think that was paranormal, but now that can be explained. And I think perhaps we possibly are getting near to to ex- explaining. And I think the experiment, I mean, in my mind, there's no doubt at all that there's no doubt ghosts do exist. And when we leave this world, we, it's not the end. This life is just a preparation for a, another existence.
3: Yeah, I fully agree with that. I, I I believe that we're here to learn certain things in order to uh, make it in the next realm. If we don't learn them things, we're destined to return here and yeah. try again.
6: <laughs> My grandfather once told said to me, he said, never be afraid of dying, Robert. He said it could be a very interesting experience, which I suppose yeah. it could be.
3: Well, I think it is, because, I mean, don't you, when you sit down to dinner, you eat your dinner, and then you save dessert for last? Yes. And that's the best part of the dinner, is the dessert.
6: Oh, yeah, I agree.
3: (laughs) We save death for last, (laughs) though.
6: I mean, I I don't think you should ever be afraid of dying. I only hope that when I go, it would be painless.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's the way, it's the way you die.
6: But anyone could drop dead any any age. True? true? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's two things you can't escape, dying and paying taxes.
3: (laughs) I'm going to drop it all at the top of the hour or at the break and then reset everything and see how that works.
6: Do you want to call me back or...
3: In just a minute, once the break hits, I'm waiting for a break. we got about a minute for a break. So you want to tell everybody about uh, where to get your book again uh, and the title it's, of it real quick?
6: The, the book's called Strange Experiences, and my name is Robert Snow, and it's for sale on Amazon.
3: Right, I'm going to go check it out myself and see what it's about Uh, like i said i like the uh paranormal stuff i watch quite a few videos on ghosts
6: yeah i do so it's but it's a fascinating subject you never get it, it you can never get bored with it that everything is different isn't it there are no two experiences the same all right folks we'll be right
3: back after these uh messages
0: Come We'll be right back after this message.
1: We're in an our narco-syndicalist commune. We take it in turns to act Sort of executive officer for the week. Yes. But all the decisions of that officer have to be ratified at a special bi weekly meeting. Yes, I see. By a civil majority in the case of purely internal affairs. Be quiet. But by a two thirds majority in the case of more be quiet. Made... I order you to be quiet. Look, you stupid bastard, you've got no arms left. Yes, I have. Look! It's just a flesh wound. I don't believe I'm such a display of courage, skill, nerve, grace, and stupidity. I'll do you for that. Oh what come here what are you gonna do bleed on me i'm invincible you're a loony the black Knight always trump
0: roundtable live monday through friday 1 a.m till 4 a.m eastern time bring your mind bring your ideas bring your voice king arthur had nothing on us here at revolution radio freedom Slips.com.
4: Give me no fries. I got an empty box.
2: Would you like another extra
4: big ass fries? I said I didn't get any. Thank
2: you. Your account has been charged. Your balance is zero. Please what? come back when you can afford oh, to make no, a purchase. Oh no! I'm sorry you're come having Come on. Trouble. My I'm kids sorry are you're starving.
0: Tune in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we believe in freedom of ideas, freedom of speech, but above all, we believe in freedom of existence through self-reliance. This station is 100% listener supported, and as a fundraising promotion, I have a kick-ass free gift for a $100 donation. 35,000 seeds. 25 years in the freezer. Long-term, storable, 54 different varieties. So if food prices go crazy, the shit hits the fan, or if you just want to save tons of money every year by creating your own food like I do, grab our Seed Pack Special. Just look for the banner on the homepage at FreedomSlips.com. Don't be a statistic. Don't be part of the problem part of the solution. We need to ask humans to start taking care of ourselves and not depending on the megacorps to provide unhealthy, nasty food. Included in this package is also a DVD with 900 survival and off-grid living documents and the offline home canning how to do everything website all on the DVD. So when you're growing all that food, you know how to can it, store it, preserve it, etc. with all these documents. So thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at FreedomSubs.com I hope that you will pick up this package and start learning to be free. Revolution com, where information never sleeps and freedom is one seed that needs to be planted.
1: What we do in life goes to the trilogy. Most guys freeze. That's your cerebral cortex, looking for an answer it doesn't have. See, even your brain knows you're screwed. The body's filling with adrenaline right now, whether you know it or not. the heart's beating fast. It's getting a little harder to breathe. The neurobiological system is telling it to run, but your knees are too weak to move. Fear is not real. Place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. But do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story.
0: Listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener supported radio. Reporting in danger. Unafraid. Right here where information never sleeps. Revolution. 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 Radio. 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 radio.
3: Welcome back, folks. I hope you've enjoyed the first half of the show. It's been uh, riddled with uh, technical difficulties. Uh, Janet will be right back. Uh, Let me see. She just come back online. Let me see if I can add her back into the conversation. I want to remind everybody that we are totally listener supporters, so if you got a buck or two, we'd sure appreciate it. Anything that'd help, uh, come on down to the chat room, which is at uh, www.revolution.radio and uh, join in the fun. Everybody's in there talking. I think we got Janet back now.
4: Oh, at last. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I think the solar it, flare just wiped out it, the ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Yeah, I must be dead now. We're all in the dead zone. Oh well. It's been exciting. <laughs> so did you have fun without me? <laughs> Were you carrying on?
3: We, we muddled through.
4: <laughs> we muddled through. Yeah, I I but hear you talking, but you were like really garbled, so yeah. Okay, let's uh keep down those solar flares so we can get through this show. Uh, did you do the commercial break about uh, going yes, over ma'am. and donating? Yeah,
3: we're, we're all ready to go, and he's he's sitting back. Okay. Right.
4: <laughs> okay, you know, I went well, before we went garbled, I and you might have heard me, but I was saying that I was so terrified. Uh, from that house because it wasn't just the, the ghosts that were funny but the you know the things that were just beyond like that uh older guys. that um, you know I, I think probably on a subconscious level uh i ended up getting married at 16 just to get out of the house you know because back then you couldn't just move out when you were 16 uh, you had to go to school and so i i yeah that's what I, I did. <laughs> coping mechanism. but um, Robert, so you're you grab uh, what was what was going on with his poltergeist? Just anything sp- uh, specific?
6: No, he only had one um, one minor poltergeist activity. Um, he was in his consulting room, which was attached to the house. And um, he know, heard a rustling noise, and he looked down, and lots of bits of paper in his pa- waste paper basket were sort of moving about on their own. There was no draft or wind or anything. That's the only poltergeist that he actually had. That um,
4: Okay, so that wasn't major, but it was... Re-
6: it was something I... <laughs> I put all his... Um, Everything that he wrote, all his uh, reports on paranormal activity, I've put it in the book. Um, some are fairly minor; others are really quite fascinating. In that house, you—it is the house. was the house? Or how long had your family been in that house?
4: My grandfather uh, purchased it in 1901. Um, my grandfather was born in like the 1870s or something. He was a young man, I guess. What's the um, house?
6: Uh, did, what was their activity when your grandfather lived there?
4: Uh, I never got to speak to my grandfather personally because he died when my mother was 10. Uh, he was much older than my my mother's mother. Yes. I was like 20 years older than my mother's mother so he wasn't around um, and we didn't talk about it. my mother would get very upset if I tried to talk to her about ghosts she would uh, get angry very strange reaction
6: Is the house so still I, haunted? Is it still
4: haunted? Well, my sister is living there and we have an agreement to not talk about the haunted house because sure. she doesn't have anything else to live but she's so. not reporting things it might have been me as the major catalyst but when she lived there um, the three remember we were talking about the three of us we were sharing uh, stories well we were all attacked she was attacked uh, my brother had the worst story uh, he was sleeping in bed and something came up and, and grabbed him around the throat and he um, kicked and kicked it off of him whatever it was my sister was um, stretching across her bed and she had her head hanging down and something came onto the bed and strangled her <laughs> and then i i had the uh, i had never been attacked except for that yeah that that poltergeist that was zooming around i'm not sure what would have happened if we if my mother had come in and stopped it because You know, there were a lot of dangerous things flying around, like pots and pans and knives.
6: Did your father, um, that grandfather was on your father's side, was it?
4: No, my mother's side.
6: Did your father ever experience anything?
4: Uh, uh, Like I said, we never talked about it, but I would go up into uh, my parents' bedroom, which was in the back of the house. And I would hear my mother talking to somebody, so I would sneak up, <laughs> like, who is she talking to? There were no phones up there, you know, no cell phones, no phones, there wasn't anybody out there. And I looked in the room, and uh, she was talking, it looked like she was talking to her mother. And on the far side of the room, it was a transparent image of a woman. Now, I, I didn't get to meet her mother, because she died when I was still in the womb. But I had seen pictures of her, and it resembled the lady that... So I think my mother was having, you know, pure, uh, full daylight visitations with her mother. Something was going on there. My father never mentioned anything, because uh, he never... He was so uh, loyal to my mother, he never did anything to upset her. And he knew that she would get upset if we talked about this. So. It was like a forbidden subject. It wasn't until I was in my late 30s that my brother and sister and I shared the story. So we don't know what happened. By that time, when we were gathered, because they both got sick, my father had a stroke and my mother had a heart attack, and they both developed um, dementia. So we could never get the stories out of them. It was so frustrating. It's like, oh, my goodness. So,
6: oh, well. Dementia is a very distressing um, complaint because my mother had Alzheimer's. I know there are several types of dementia. My mother had Alzheimer's. Yeah. She went on for about 10 years in the time of diagnosis, which I believe is rather longer than usual. And um, she went ended up in a, a home a nursing home, but it's very distressing
4: yeah.
6: for the people who see it. I mean, she yeah,
4: was, you lose though. Yeah. She was
6: happy in her own little world, I think. Because they really looked after her well at this home. And I was actually uh-huh. with her when she died in the in the nursing home. Uh-huh. I was there when she died. It's strange, she um I um, I used to go up there rarely to see her because the the, the nursing home staff knew that it, I would find it very distressing. So I used to go uh-huh. up, I was her attorney, I used to go up once a month to pay the bill. Sometimes I'd pop in and see her. Um, on one particular morning, Sunday morning, I phoned up the nursing home just to see how she was and they said you know she's she's going downhill quite rapidly now but don't come and see her because it would really upset you so I agreed I wouldn't go there and then about half an hour after the phone call um, I had a, a very very strong feeling that I should go and see her. So I got in my car and drove the 15 miles to the nursing home. And when I got there, because my mother was like a a cabbage, you know, she lost so much weight, she was so thin in real life, she was quite a
5: Mm -hmm.
6: heavily built chubby uh, lady. But she was like a skeleton. So I went up there and she was just lying there. Um, and, you know, she didn't look very well. Well, she wasn't well. And I held her hand and then suddenly she gave really squeezed it so hard that it really hurt. And Oh. She she gave a great big smile, and it seemed to me that she, then she looked suddenly looked younger, and then she slipped away. I think because my mother and I were very close, I think that she was dying, but she was communicating with me, and she wanted me there when she passed away. That is my explanation. I'm I'm sure she did because we were extremely close my mother and i a sort of telepathy
3: it sounds like she wanted to make sure you knew she'd be all right
6: yes i think she wanted me there when she passed away to the other side Uh and then she just stopped breathing and and i called rang the bell for one of the nurses to come up and she said, "Yes, your mother has, is dead." But it, it wasn't a, a horrible experience. I can only describe uh-huh. it very spiritual experience. You know, there was. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but um, you know, she's now in a better place.
4: Another so thing it's for very, me, I wasn't there. When my mother died, but at the moment of her death, I had moved to Hawaii because I was uh, diagnosed as being very sick and that if I didn't get to a different climate, I wouldn't be around. So I I moved to Hawaii and I, I was recovering. But my sister and brother were there and my sister was at the hospital and uh, they said, oh, you must go get something to eat. She could be hanging on for a long time. <laughs> So she no sooner got down the elevator and walking towards her car, her phone rang. We did have phones. It was 97, we did have phones. And so she um, ran back up and uh, she entered the room. And as she walked in the door, my mother was dead. She could see her across the room, and she, uh, her mouth was open. A lot die and their mouth goes open. And uh, the nurse or something that was in there said, She's gone just missed her. She just died. But as soon as uh, Louise walked in the door, um, my mother came right up to her right ear and spoke in her ear and said, Louise. So she was out of body and she spoke into my mother's ear. At the same time, my brother was leaving his apartment. He had a second floor apartment. He was going down the stairs and there was a light switch. And it was one of those ones that went kind of up and down. He had a lever. And it went down and up and the lights went on and off and he went, oh, mom just died. And then they both told me these stories and I, I suspected something would happen when mom died because she was a you know, magical person. She was almost like a witch. And I was this, well, she didn't do anything with me. But two days later, I was sleeping and she came and she took me out of my body astrally. I've been traveling astrally all my life. She took me back to the home I grew up in my sister had uh, shut the house down and winterized it, because it was very cold and Daphne. And she put both my parents in an apartment that, where it was warmer, uh, when they were, you know, going through their hospice care. And so, um, nobody had been in the house. And she, she went down and she said, look, the ghosts are gone. And she said, I'm the one that was holding them here. I'm the catalyst, I was the force that was keeping them here. And she said, they're gone. She was talking really fast. I couldn't quite make it out, but then it was like I recorded it. And it made sense later. And she said, you have to go now because cause I guess I was in a higher vibratory frequency. You have to go now because it's safe for you to stay in this frequency. And she uh, walked me down the stairs and she pushed me out through the front door. <laughs> so I knew it was astral. And I, I zoomed all the way across the world and back to my... Um, bed in valley and I bolted upright and went, you know, like, wow, what a trip, you know, so that's what happened to me.
6: I had a very strange, sorry, experience. Experience. I was immediately discharged from the army because I broke my spine and um, I'm, um, several years later. I had an operation. But I wasn't I wasn't paralyzed or anything, but I had a spinal fusion in two places and lots of rods and screws and plates and things in my spine. Um and after I when I came round from the anesthetic, um I mean general anesthetics are very good these. I don't know if you've had them, have you? They're,
4: oh yeah, they they've improved a lot. Yeah,
6: nothing to be afraid of, is there?
4: Uh, no, people used to die before, and now it seems to be a lot uh, yeah, better. <laughs> yeah.
6: but, uh, at any rate, I came round. I was lying on my back in bed, and I had my hands, fold arms, folded across my chest. And next bed to me was a Catholic priest in his uh, clerical vestments. And I thought, this is funny, I thought, I saw this priest there, and I was, you know when people are laid out, they have their hands across, arms across their chest. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, God, I've died, and the priest is going to give me (laughs) last rites. Wow. But I, I didn't, so he just come To visit the patient in the next bed to me. But I, I thought, you know, I've I, I died and the priest is going to give me last rites.
4: <laughs> <laughs> that must have been some good stuff. <laughs> yeah.
6: What do you think of guardian angels?
4: Uh, well, have you had any experiences with guardian angels? I have a guardian angel story, but. Um, You you first. You're the guest.
6: I haven't, um, but it it sort of interests me. I mean, you can't. I don't think you should dismiss anything. People who don't believe are rather narrow-minded, in my opinion. I mean, I'm.
4: I must be something. Well, I, I, I always say I have my guardian. Because I, I have a magical life, and you know, even though things seem to go wrong, you know, I get a lot of uh, miracles, a lot of miracles. I would say. But I, I was sick with a with a gallbladder attack one time, and uh, I was in a lot of pain, and I, I was very noisy, and they wanted me to shut up. So they gave me something. I found out years later when I talked to an emergency uh, room doctor. He says, well, a lot of times we give people ketamine. And this doctor liked to give ketamine and then he'd sit with them and they would be you know they would report all kinds of stuff you know that was going on for them so i didn't know what was going on but uh i was all alone but when i was on this experience with ketamine in the emergency room which and then they put pain stuff and uh, antibiotics in my intravenous i was i found myself uh my table uh, where i was uh, laying on was in the middle of a room and there were alcoves all around and in each alcove was an angel and they were backlit with the colors of the chakras. <laughs> and they were just sending me love and they were saying, we're, you know, we're healing you. And I was looking around and I said, I don't even believe in angels. <laughs> they were all around me and I was going and I, I, I was looking like staring and my mouth was open. And this nurse came up and she probably thought I died or something. I don't know what she, she was kind of freaked out because I was just staring with my mouth open and she went, get it! And I went, what, what, what? Um, So I know she was reacting to me. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe she saw something or she felt something, but it was quite profound. And, um, you know, by the next morning, I was, they let me out of the hospital. I was fine. I thought I was going to. You know, they're going to have surgery or something, but, yeah. Um, but I had a couple other times, with them. maybe when I was sick, where these beings would come in. One time I had a, a, a tooth, they, they pulled my tooth, and it got all infected, so I was, uh, I had to get to emergency to the dentist. And when I got to the, the dental office, uh, the people that I normally, you know, my dentist and the all, all those people disappeared. And all of a sudden, this this man came in that was very, like, angelic-looking, right? And he had these eyes that were, like, uh, they drew you in. And they were big and blue, and they drew you in. And he came over to me, and he did this uh, procedure. And I was just, like, awestruck, you know, and he was fixing whatever had gone wrong with my tooth. So there was that one. I was uh, getting a physical one time, and... uh, once again, everybody disappeared, and this strange person came in, did a procedure, and then the regular people came back. And uh, it's almost like they like, a, like an abduction, you know? They they do the procedure, and they blank out everybody else's, and they they mind wipe them. And then uh, and there was a third one where there was a student at um, when I was working at Penn State University, and when when he came in, everything shifted. When he left. Um, I just ran to the bathroom and I threw water all over me because he was like really super high energy. It was like the place had, um, I don't know, the vibratory frequency was so high. I just, I went into the bathroom and I threw water on me because I was like overheated, overheated by this person who walked the room. And it was a very, so there was three, four incidents where I thought that I had encounters with guardian angels. Do they, what a do bath? they, what do they, Go Go ahead. Do,
6: do they have wings?
4: Well, the one when I was in the hospital with the gallbladder tech, they had wings. And I said, and I was like, oh, come on. You guys can't really have wings. Come on, you know. I um, but they did. And I said, Yeah, I guess that's uh they have wings. Uh the two that were walking uh among men and you know, walking, they did have wings, but they definitely had very high uh, frequency energy. It, it was so uh, extreme that, you know, I don't, if anybody else would have been in the room, I don't, I don't know if they could take it. The energy was just so high.
6: I I know what I've had called better trouble. I had to call pleasure removed. And the pain is absolutely excruciating. Uh huh. I mean, oh, it you, is. it's, it's, Said to be one of the most painful things you can have. I mean, if I'd had a gun, I would have shot myself. The pain is so <laughs> severe. I mean, weren't you doubled up with pain?
4: Oh, I I couldn't I couldn't move. They couldn't get the um, uh, what do you call it? The gurney up my stairs because uh it was too heavy and it was breaking my stairs. So they they had me walked out. I mean, I'm in this excruciating pain and walked out to the cement. And to to help with the pain, I was screaming. I was going, ah, ah, ah. You know, I would breathe in, I did this long exhale and a scream. And I did that all the way down the ambulance because, um, you know, my my husband teaches yoga and he says, if you want to really help the scream, if you want to help your pain, you give it a sound. And it did seem to alleviate it. But every time I got to the end of the exile, I said, uh, I'm going to die now, and what's it going to be like when I die? And then I would, I would say, why am I not dead? How much pain can a human body take without the, the soul leaping out of it, you know, escaping? I was amazed that I was still alive.
6: But it, I mean, it's terrible. It's you, you, It's undescribable. It's, it's, it really the most. You can't. I can't imagine anything. what's well, said to be the most painful thing. Going. Uh, yeah, it's
4: supposed to be working than had
5: had <laughs> Another, another
6: yeah. thing. L- last year, I mean, I had a I had a kidney removed, cancer of the kidney, and um, wow. after, after the operation, um, I was in terrible pain. But uh, I had morphine, liquid morphine, which is quite, which is good stuff. You know?
4: <laughs> right.
5: <laughs>
4: yeah. So, anyway, it's uh, it, it's interesting what we go through. But um, a mad painter. Have you had any experiences with ghosts or angels or? Uh, anything not like not that?
5: at all.
3: I I wouldn't mind a few. <laughs> That'd be fine
4: come on now visit the bad. he wants to experience <laughs> yeah. some paranormal experiences
3: I'm not enti- doubting Thomas like, you know, in the Bible or right, right I believe without no proof you know, that these things do exist and, uh, you know, I don't need any proof I guess that's why I've never had to see anything
6: yeah, but there's no doubt they do happen there's, I mean, they do. ghosts are very, very real I, I, you know, I would
4: invite my friends over to sleep sleep over when I was a kid. I'd say, "You want to see a ghost?" And they'd say, "I don't believe ghosts. Come on, you want to see a ghost?" Okay, so they would. I'd say, "Ask your mother if you can sleep over." So they'd sleep over, and they they would see things all the time. There was a couple that didn't, but I I think it's a lot of uh, is is a person receptive or they open blind. If you're really closed blinded, you might never see anything. You won't see your foes and. Yeah, you're just not going to see if they step on top of you, you won't see it.
6: Yeah, it's it's, it's true. But, um, I mean, there are people who've absolutely non-believers who, who've had experience completely changed their mind.
4: So, do you know anybody that uh, didn't believe and then they saw something and it yeah. changed your mind? Or do you have these stories? Go ahead, yes. and give us one. Go ahead.
5: No,
6: I, I've known, I've heard of people who, 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 um, you know, don't believe in ghosts. But when they have an experience, they completely change their mind. I mean, there's there's no doubt that these things happen. There's so much evidence, isn't there?
4: So you're you're collecting stories from around the world, or are you just uh, focusing on a certain part of the world?
6: Not all over the place, but most of my materials from this country. Right. But there was an experience my grandfather had. Um, he's, uh, I think, I, as I told you, he was a very keen amateur archaeologist. He went to, with a friend to France and um, he went to look around a particular church. And you were able to go up the tower and have a, you know, to admire the view. So it was a bright, bright sunny day. I'm not sure exactly when this was. Bright, sunny day. And um, when they got up to the top of the tower, they looked down and they saw themselves approaching the church. They saw their doubles, their doppelgangers.
4: I've heard about that. So, what did they do when they saw themselves?
6: Well, they, they didn't do anything. They just um, when they went downstairs, down the bottom of the tower, they, they weren't the other. The apparitions obviously weren't there. They saw the appar watched the apparitions walk into the church. In fact, I believe, um, really, there are probably more ghosts of the living than there are of the dead. Seen.
4: Yeah. So, what is that? What's your theory on that? Are we are we projecting? Are, are people seeing our astral form when we're traveling out of body?
6: Yeah, I think so. Out of body. I mean, like yeah. my my friend Anatoly. Uh, that that uh, phone call from Anatoly, you know the, the my Russian friend.
5: Right. I told yes. Um,
6: when he described my bedroom exactly in the finest detail, um, that must that is obviously indisputable proof that he had an out of body experience.
4: Yeah, the same thing happened to Stan Grof. Stan Groff was uh, he he developed breath breathwork, and he traveled after me. And he, he said he his brother said, "I saw you come through the television in Poland, or Czech it was Czechoslovakia." Yeah. So his brother saw him in broad daylight, and he said that he um, you know same thing. He described his brother's house. He'd never been there, and he described it to the T. So. Yeah, well, uh, the Monroe Institute, Robert Monroe, he talked about um, astrally traveling, and different people would see him, and he'd see them, and they would, you know, correlate your information and verify, just like your experience with Anatoly. So that's been documented a lot. Um, let's see, what else? What what other what other paranormal things did you're Grandfather,
6: cover. Oh, all sorts. You know, some of them were very minor things, but I think you know a lot of minor things add up to something quite, quite spectacular. A lot of te- telepathic experiences, and I put all those in the book. Um, what are
4: some of the telepathic uh, things that stand out in your mind?
6: Um. I think that uh, the telephone ringing. Uh Obviously, the person was trying to get desperately get through to my grandfather, and he sort of picked up some Mm. form of telepathic um, waves, I suppose.
4: Right, and then your your uh, mother contacted you, so you would be there at her crossing. Yes. Um.
6: Well, when my when mother,
4: when my a... mother, uh-huh.
6: that's another experience. I mean, as I said before, we did everything together. Mum and I were very close, and she was knew she was going to die, but she didn't want to go without me being there. She hung on until I arrived. That's my my explanation. She was trying to communicate with me.
4: Yeah, get here, I want to say goodbye. Yeah, and you responded, even though they said, don't come.
6: Even when I I held her hand, because being, uh, suffering from Alzheimer's, she was just a living skeleton, really. She was so thin. And when she squeezed (laughs) my hand till it really hurt, you know, she seemed to, before so she went, to have some sort of extra superhuman strength. I mean, she was so weak. But that, that time, right. she, and then she gave a, a big smile, and oh, tears rolled down her cheeks, a big smile, and then she stopped reading. It was a, very spiritual experience. I'm so pleased mm-hmm. I was there when she died, or when she passed away to the other side. You know, there's nothing. I don't think there's, you know, those experiences that I, I shall remember all my life.
5: Right, right.
6: Not nothing horrible, but something, but the the paranormal. It's such a, it's such a, um, fascinating subject. It's yes, a,
4: it is.
6: I think it was Shakespeare said, no, it may not, no, not been Shakespeare, but somebody said, um, the, the paranormal is, a, a veil through which we, through which we cannot see it's a door which we do not have the key for but I think So we,
4: do you think we'll, we'll ever uh, figure this one out as a as human species I think communicate we, with the dead?
6: I think we will um, we're getting closer but I think perhaps there are some things that we're not meant to know and we'll never know. I think when 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 uh, more research has been done into the paranormal, we are, the the um, result of the research will be that the paranormal really exists. Spirits exist, and when we die, we don't just leave this world. There is another another sort of wavelength, another realm another plane that we go on, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what the result would be, I mean right. nobody can disprove ghosts exist, nobody, Right. they do exist, there's so much evidence, indisputable
5: evidence, And
4: does your res- grandfather uh, get any messages from the other side? Does he ever report?
6: Uh, no, no.
4: Did no. he ever see any animals from the other side? Um,
6: like, um.
4: Well, he saw the horse.
6: Yeah, the horse. Or the horse. Oh yeah, he's he had one or two other. where he saw horses, phantom army, and things like that, and that's all in the book. It's you know it's. I can't remember the exact details because it's, it's, to be honest, it's a long time since I read through all his archives. Right. I mean, I'm always adding. If I see an article in a a paper magazine, I'll copy it word for word and keep it on my computer um, for my own information. Or if I find something, I would copy and paste it into a word document. I've got many thousands, uh-huh. thousands of um, articles. Some some articles you see on the on the um, internet are rubbish, as you probably know. There is a lot of a lot of rubbish on the internet, but there's also a lot of very good material.
4: Yes, there, there is. Oh, are you familiar with the Dr. Michael Newton Institute work? No. Okay, Dr. Michael Newton, he's he's retired, but he had over 40 years, uh, 40,000 regressions, and uh, he trained uh, hundreds if not thousands of regressionists, and so they were regressing people from various cultures all over the world. And they would regress people using a special technique where they would go to not just past life, but to life between life, where you go after you die. And they were documenting uh, a reality that seemed to be pretty consistent, you know, based on testimonials, 40,000 case studies, where when you die, you're met by your guides. Uh, each person has a, a personal guide, so you have one guide, at least one guide, that you're taken to your committee. And the committee, you go through a, a life review with your committee and analyze everything you learned and what you, you know, could have done better. And then you go to your group. So you know how they like, say we have soul groups? Well, apparently we have soul groups, and they are between 10 and about 30-some people in our soul groups. And you deconstruct and and correlate and analyze what just happened in the life you just lived what was that like uh you have those who like say you had enemies or people you didn't like or harm you did to each other so the ones that harmed you and that you harmed uh they come before you and you talk about what you just experienced sometimes you do which is like a, a Vulcan mind now but you literally uh, merge together, like physically, although you're not physically, spiritually, you merge together and then you separate, right, and you really get what it was like to be the person that was receiving you, you know, and, and your actions and perceiving you, so you get what it was like to be the other person, and uh, you get what was like, um, for them, you know, vice versa, right? So anyway, it's a fascinating series of books, and since you're into the research, I highly recommend the Dr. Michael Newton Institute Research Information, and they have a series of YouTubes as well. Um, But since you've analyzed and read all these stories and you keep collecting them, what are some of the things you are able to conclude? What are some of your observations?
6: I'd like to find out more about remote viewing, but uh, as I said, I'm in touch with this Victor Pfeffelov of, of Tomsk in Siberia, yeah. North and I talk from time to time uh, with his, his son, a three-way conversation, his son acting as a, an interpreter. But I think that he's re- involved in remote viewing uh, research, but the Russians are rather I think they're rather advanced
3: if, if you're interested in remote viewing you should check out Courtney Brown at the Fireside Institute they do it all scientifically
6: yeah I've looked on this also um, there are some um, there's some videos of him talking or podcasts of him talking on, on the internet, it's very very interesting
3: yeah he, he's an awesome guy I've talked to him a few times
6: and it does work, doesn't it?
3: Oh yeah, yeah.
6: I think, the, but the Russians are—I I, know—they're very, very advanced with their paranormal research. But um, as I said before, you know, I go out there sometimes, and I've got to know a lot of people, and I never have to stay in a hotel. Um, I got, and they all say, "Come and stay with us." And they really treat me so they're killed with kindness. But you can't judge a country by its leaders, can you?
4: I guess not. (laughs) That's true.
6: Thank God for the internet, eh? You get get good and bad everywhere. I mean, in this country, UK, there are some shysters, and some of them are called politicians.
4: I think we have that phenomenon everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the Russians. My husband's third generation uh, Russian, but uh, both sides of his family. Although I didn't get to know his family you know, very well, but they Russian. I, I got to know
6: a couple of uh, very rich businessmen, and they're so kind. And one of them, the Christmas before last, Sent me as a present a genuine, I'd say genuine, brand new Omega wristwatch. Yeah, and that's nice, isn't what it? What kind of
4: wristwatch? Omega. Yeah. Oh, Omega! Yeah. <laughs> I mean that
6: is nice, but you know, um, they good, 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 um, good and bad everywhere. The only thing I say, in Russia, I will say, it gets extremely cold in the winter. (laughs) I mean, I have have a friend in a place called Yakutsk in Siberia, northern Russia, and in, in the winter, even with global warming, it goes down to 60 below, and that is cold.
4: Oh, God. I like, would never go there, No. not going to see me there.
6: <laughs> I've, been, I've been in Moscow in the winter myself, I've been in Moscow and that goes sort of about minus 38, 40 which is quite cold but it's you know you, with the right clothing you're all right, I've got good thermal underwear and one of those uh, fur hats called Yushenka
5: uh-huh. And, they, and you, need, you need it
6: out there. They're made of made of rabbit fur. You certainly need oh. it. I,
3: I like it right wow. here, in Georgia, and I'm sure the Janet likes it there in in Hawaii.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it, it was cold this winter. It finally has warmed up, but we had winter until about three days ago. Yeah, we've got it was really cold. We, we got
3: the air conditioner running right now. Yeah.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, we have all the fans going, so it's yeah. But
6: you're about—did you say about five thousand miles apart? Yeah,
4: yeah, we're we're. Uh, I'm in Valley, Hawaii, and uh, we're
3: we're the a is over at the globe right now. You are what?
4: Yeah. All, well, all three of us—we're all we're from three. I
5: mean, are Across
4: two oceans, you're in the UK. And I'm in Maui. You're where? Maui, Hawaii. Is that nice and warm? Very nice and warm. Yes, I love it. Yeah, but I did my ancestry, and I'm mostly from UK. My that's genetics, I'm, my parents, my uh, ancestors came from UK. What well, are we related?
6: <laughs> yeah yeah but I'm, i' I don't know how far I'd be from you I'm the southwest of England um oh. four or five thousand miles from you
3: uh you're you're probably three thousand miles from me and he, she's probably about five thousand from me so she's probably about eight thousand right. miles from
6: yes technology <laughs> is, is all right but it works isn't it isn't In- it
4: amazing?
3: That's yeah. why we're saying we're spanning half the globe right now, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah.
6: And I can hear you both as clearly as anything, and you can both hear me.
4: Yes. Isn't that amazing?
6: It's and all it, done with. I couldn't
4: was do this.
6: Either. <laughs> What's it all done with satellites, I suppose?
3: Uh, most of it, yeah.
6: Some of it's still undersea cables, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I believe me and you are connected through undersea cables, but uh, Janet has to go through the uh, uh, yeah. satellite.
6: I can. I mean, you can both hear me perfectly. Yes, yeah, perfectly yeah, well. Yeah. now you've got
4: rid of our glitch earlier.
6: Now you've got rid of your technical hitches. <laughs>
4: Whatever that was.
3: That happens sometimes with Hawaii. They'll get overwhelmed with people on the internet, and they start kicking people or start making it garbled. They lose. Uh, uh,
4: oh,
3: I see. Your your uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, your bandwidth. Yeah.
4: Bandwidth.
3: Yeah, so they can squeeze more people to it. <laughs> well, they
4: they used to. Uh, before we had the uh, cell phones back in, I came here in '93. Uh, if you tried to call back to the mainland at Christmas or New Year's, you couldn't get uh, a line. No. Get a line out. They only had so many lines. I guess it was cable in those days under the ocean. I mean, about
6: 30 years ago or more, who would have thought you'd have a a, a telephone you'd carry in your pocket? Mine's the size of a, a pocket diary. I've
4: got a Samsung S7.
6: Yeah. That's amazing. Well,
4: but, I was listening to somebody. They said that we have the bricks and it looked like it was going to be another 20 or 30 years to go from those bricks. Remember how big they were? Like a yeah, big walkie-talkie. That, heavy. But heavy something things. happened uh, with Apple and it has to do, oh, it was on NPR and it, with the mines. In, there's, one, there's one country in Africa that has the... The minerals for the, you know, the lithium batteries or something. So it was the invention of the lithium battery that allowed them to go from these huge bricks down to the yeah. uh, the iPhone, and then the iPhone launched this new generation of phones. Everybody started copying at Technology, but uh, there's something else coming out soon, and I, I don't know much about it. I didn't quite get the whole story. That's going to um, because there, there's only so much lithium. So they're going to run out of that, or they, or they are, are going to... They're somehow negotiating to get these contracts so that they can't charge absorbent prices for this this one mine in Africa, or something, It was one country in Africa. I don't know, it's worth researching, but, um, but that's part of the UFO story. Um, Phil Corso, Jr., he describes how, how um, he reverse-engineered the technology for the Roswell crash, and they, they, the craft, the, the uh, computers were the size of a room. Remember back in the 40s, they were a giant room. And uh, they knew that they, they could make them smaller. They, they had the concept, but they were lacking the transistors. <laughs> so apparently in the Roswell craft, they ha- they got the technology to reverse engineer and uh, start making computers. Uh, down to you know, I can have one on your desktop. So, we've seen a lot of changes in our life. So, just imagine what's coming. Yeah, I think
6: they're always improving on things. Uh, the uh, they're improving on batteries all the time. Now, all this, yes. you know, so I, I I'm rather. I'm open-minded, but some people think that um, aliens are on this Earth and that the governments are sort of hiding them. Have you heard that?
4: There's all kinds of theories. bad do you want to chime in on this one?
3: Oh, I believe they're here. <laughs> <laughs> I believe they influence our governments. and uh,
6: you Air, know. I mean, look at Area 51.
3: You
4: heard Yeah, so I. Oh, yeah. Oh,
3: yeah we, but I think that's just so to keep their attention there instead of exactly where they're doing what they're doing.
6: You mean the yeah. diversion?
3: Oh, yes. I believe it's what? diversion. Most just about anything out there that you see in the mainstream and they talk about it, is usually some kind of diversion to keep you from actually paying attention to what you need to.
6: So they're not really <laughs> doing much at Area 51. They won't
3: probably not to just just uh, just enough to make you go hmm. What's going on?
6: Yeah, I mean in this country we've got a uh, an establishment at a place called Porton Down. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's a, a government research establishment and and it's um, top secret. And um, it's probably the, the our equivalent to your Area Fifty One.
4: Great. Well, they have Pine Gap in Australia, so these areas, um, you know, they've been established, they're underground, some of them are very deep, they could be, you know, 13 floors down or more, uh, they have, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, but, you know, if they get discovered, they, they just move it elsewhere, or they, yeah, like you said, they divert things, so. I think it, uh, Area 51 was a lot, uh, was used a lot more back in the day, but.
3: Yeah, I believe they, they it was. Keep used, opening up I, I believe it was used in the 50s and the 60s for, you know, that kind of stuff, but I think they've done moved it since then that, you know.
6: You think Keep, it,
3: keep it, you know, hush, hush. We got about two minutes, by the way.
6: Yeah, you Oh, think yes, yes, yes. Aliens um, do exist on, on Earth.
3: I don't doubt it. Uh, I've seen too many things that uh, if if they now what you consider aliens, they could be from inner Earth or extra dimensional. See,
6: yes.
3: So, so we just don't know. I mean, ghosts are interdimensional.
5: Yeah. You
3: know. So who who's to say there's not other dimensions out there that we can't step across?
5: That's true. Right.
6: I mean, just because well, you can't explain okay, it, shouldn't dismiss them.
4: Exactly. Yes. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about your book and uh, where might somebody go to purchase it? Yeah, the book and is. And your website.
6: It's called Strange Experiences, and it's for sale on Amazon. And if you type in under books, put in Robert Snow, you will see it. It's not a big book, but it it's uh, um. It's I've got. One review which is somebody who's uh, has reviewed it. I mean often people buy books on Amazon they don't leave reviews. But I've got a stunning right. a stunning review which I think will uh, which I'm very pleased. It's well, it's that's
4: good to get good reviews. Yeah, I like that.
6: Yeah, but it, it's a very long review. And um I'm very pleased. I think it's an excellent review, and the person—I oh, I know, know the person who reviewed it—and um, huh? he's a very critical person. He wouldn't write a, a good review if the the book wasn't good. You know, he's very fussy, very critical. If something he didn't like something, he'd say so, and I. Right. Nothing but praise from
4: him. Well, thank you very much, Robert Snow. Thank you, Mad Cater. Yeah. Tom Secker. It's Becker. a Blessing. Pleasure. Pleasure. Love
0: We'll be right back after this message. Thank you for listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Any commercial advertising you may hear in this program is of the sole discretion and benefit of the host of this program you are listening to. Revolution Radio does not endorse any commercial products nor does it accept monetary compensation for on-air advertising of commercial products nor will it ever. We are and shall remain 100% listener supported. Any product advertising on this program are considered used at higher risk and Revolution Radio shall not be held liable for any claims or damages received from any product advertised within this program. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps.
1: Most guys freeze. That's your cerebral cortex looking for an answer it doesn't have. See? Even your brain knows you're God is are screwed. The body's filling with adrenaline right now, whether you know it or not. Your heart's beating faster. It's getting a little harder to breathe. The neurobiological system is telling it to run, but your knees are too weak to move. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. We are all telling ourselves a story.
0: You're listening to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. 100% listener-supported radio. Reporting the danger. Unafraid. Right here, where information never sleeps. Revolution.
5: Revolution. Radio.
2: Take a look around, kid. What do you see? Homes being foreclosed. People working two, three jobs just to put food on the table and still drowning in debt. Don't get me wrong. This country was founded on great ideals and principles. They've all been ruined by the banks. Open your eyes to the banks that are robbing you. You know who my favorite president was? Oh, Thomas Jefferson. Because he saw all of this coming and tried to stop it. He fought the banks. JFK, too, and they killed him for it. The banking is more dangerous than an army, he said. Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I am done dealing with data overages. Don't worry, you got this at the Total
0: Wireless Store. Bring your number and get 15 gigs of data for $50 on the nation's best 4G LTE network. And during our 50% more data promotion, you'll actually get 22.5 gigs for the same price. 22.5 for 50? That's a gig deal.
1: Data it is. Discover the Total Wireless Stores and get Total Confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Ends January 2nd, 2019. Excludes sports from TrackPhone Wireless Inc. brands. Turn to TotalWireless.com. Tom.